Welcome to Tea Time with Mary. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm a former bikini fitness model turned self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hey friends, before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast episode is sponsored by my favorite books. Not literally, but I did create a book list for you with all of my favorite books for self-love and body image and self-confidence and just overall self-healing and growth. I am a huge personal growth person. And to be honest with you, a lot of the things that I talk about come from the books that I've read. I'm a big reader and I always tell my little sister, readers are leaders. And I love audiobooks. I love book books. I love Kindle. I love all the forms of books. Just give me all the goods. So I decided to create a book list for you with my top 25 favorite books. And I actually add to this list. So there's probably going to be more than 25 books on it. But I have narrowed it down to top 25 books that you need to read to start the self-love journey. I'm not saying you have to read all the books right now, but you should have this list handy dandy for when you're getting a book on Amazon or shopping in your Audible or whatever. So I've created this book list and you can get it at maryscupoftea.com slash books. And I will also put it in the show notes. And let me know how you like these recommendations by screenshotting what you're reading and tagging me in your Instagram stories. I always love seeing you use my recommendations. It just makes my whole day because we're like a little community. So anyways, maryscupoftea.com slash books. Go get it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mary's Cup of Tea. Cup. I said cup. Really weird. Mary's Cup of Tea, the podcast. Sometimes when you say a word so many times, it doesn't sound like a word anymore. And that's how I feel about the word cup. Uh, Anyways, today I am here with Beth Ruffin. Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. So we just recently got to know each other um, and I feel really close to you, closer than the time span that we've known each other. Um, And I also see as such a big mentor in my journey, especially when it comes to life and brand and business. And I relate to you so much. So I'm so excited for our listeners to get to know you as well. Thank you. And it's so, it's crazy you say that because you have done so much. I've told you this before, like, in the time that you've been on this earth, the amount of things that you have done, I definitely look up to you and I can't wait to see what the rest of your life brings. So um, that connection, yeah, it didn't take long, but I feel like the universe brought us together. You are so kind. Thank you so much. I usually would like push that away and be like, no, but I'm going to leave it at thank you. I really appreciate it. Before we dive into our conversation slash coaching session slash all sorts of directions, I'll fill our listeners in. I want to read your bio so that people know um, who you are and what you're about and your background. So Beth Ruffin spent 20 years in corporate America before realizing her dream of entrepreneurship. And she opened her own boutique consulting firm called The Everyday Inclusionist. Beth is committed to making our world more inclusive through consulting, coaching, and speaking. And she's also the host of At the Table, a weekly podcast about elevating the voices of the underrepresented. Beth's first book, Get Up, details her journey to self-acceptance. And her second book, You Belong Here, which... I have right here, explores the topic of self-inclusion. Beth believes that everyone has a purpose and has the power within them to impact lives. She is the mom to one daughter 
who I just adore, and in her spare time, vlogs and travels. So Beth, I'm so grateful that you came on the show. Um, and like I said, I just feel like it's it's like meant to be. Um, and I've told you this before, but I want our listeners to know this. So Beth and I met at our mastermind. And when we walked into the room, she was the first person that I saw going to the same place, the, the mastermind retreat. And I always feel like the first person you kind of run into at settings like that, I feel like that is always divine timing. Like what are the odds that you both walk in from the same place at the same time, going to the same location um, and just hit it off. So I really feel like this is meant, meant to be in so many different ways. Absolutely. I agree. Tell us about your personal journey. Um, between corporate America consulting, your journey to self-acceptance, how you got to be um, an inclusion specialist and the work that you do now for businesses and brands. Yeah. Ooh, that's a packed question. Um, I'll put it this way. Uh, My story is one of uh, how do you come back from a failure? So I don't talk about it you know, a lot, but to get to where I am today, I had to fail a lot and I had to learn how to redo some things. So for example, um, freshman year of college, 1995, I got accepted to my dream school. I actually only applied to one college. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was only one place I wanted to go and that was Drexel University in Philly. I wanted to be a mechanical engineer and I wanted to create prosthetics the most random thing ever, right? Um, so I got, ex- I only applied to Drexel, got accepted, got a scholarship and totally failed my first year. Um, I had never really like partied before. So I just went to school and, you know, so I transferred to another school, the University of Pittsburgh on the other side of the state. And I did, I did better. I did better with my classes, but the summer before my Senior year, I had gotten a job waiting tables and I was making really good money. It was at like a hotel. And so their celebrities would come in all the time. And so I made really good money and I had decided, you know what? I don't need to go back to college because you go to college to make money, right? So the summer before my senior year of college, I dropped out. Mm. Who does that, right? Um, It would take me then seven years to get my bachelor's degree. You know, it's just, there are stories like that throughout my career or even through my life where I just made this decision that made sense in my mind, but it didn't make sense in the you know grand scheme of things. And so I've had to really get to a place where I recognize that all of my experiences, the good and the bad have made me who I am. And You know, I think about, for example, when I ended up going back to finish my undergrad degree as an adult, I took it so much more seriously. I'm sitting in the front of the class. I'm raising my hand. I'm getting straight A's. Never would have done that, right, as an undergrad. Um, And so, you know, I've I've had to work really hard to separate my mistakes from who the value of who I am. You know, and so even in corporate America, um, I've had great opportunities to like grow my career. Um, 
I moved because of a job, like I moved states because of a job opportunity, but I never really felt like it, it never really fueled my heart, right? I didn't feel joy for what I was doing. I was good at it. I had opportunities, but until a few years ago in my career, I got the wonderful opportunity to start doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And um, once I got to start to do, to do that, and I get to talk every day to people about, you know, how do you treat people fairly, right? Um, how do you get to know someone, you know, so that you can be inclusive? Or how do you mitigate bias? Like, it gave me life. And I couldn't believe that I was getting paid every day to do what I did. Um, Unfortunately, though, even still doing that work, I felt like I still was fighting for my value to be seen. Mm. Um, Classic example. So the last company that I ever worked for, I was there for 10 years. And I had, you know, by the time I left, I'm, you know, doing the strategy, the learning curriculum, I'm working with the CEO. But I walked out of that door at the same level I was when I walked in 10 years earlier. Mm. And so I think it's hard sometimes to not look at yourself and say, is it because of me? Is it because I'm not good enough? Did I not do something right? Um, And so once I got to the point where I said, you know what, I'm too, no. (laughs) I'm awesome, right? Um, That can be something that's really hard because I try to be humble, but sometimes, you know, humility makes you forget how awesome you are. (laughs) And I think once I learned like, no, you are awesome. You deserve everything in life that you want. Then it made me, it made it easier for me to walk out the door and start my own thing. So that was a long roundabout answer to your question, but all relevant to where I am today. <laughs> well, it was perfect. I think um, women especially can relate to being humbled to a fault because we've been trained. I've recently been doing a lot of research on the idea of like how the patriarchy affects women in business. So either women like working in business or somebody or women trying to build a business mm-hmm. and how it's this weird thing. Like when we see those Facebook ads of dudes next to their Lamborghinis and their kid guys and whatever, like all the comments are like, yeah, bro, love yeah. your car. Right. Whereas like if a woman, when a woman does that, it's like, oh yeah, where's your sugar daddy? Right. You know? And it's just so, it's so condescending. It's so unfair. There's such a double standard. Um, and obviously there's also an intersection of marginalization between like your skin color and age plays into it and weight and body size and how, and all those biases that you said. All of it. Yeah. So how did you first, how did you start Mm -hmm. teaching DEI in, in corporate? And then what is the work that you do now? Um, yeah. Consulting firm. Good question. So I got this opportunity because I spoke up and I'm so, I'm so passionate about women should speak up for what they want. So I come from the insurance field, which is very 
middle-aged white male. Like it's one of the most traditional um, industries in this country. And so um, just having conversations with human resources about, hey, you know, why don't we have this or why don't we have that? And so just by me speaking up and letting them know that, hey, if we ever decide to do anything around this, I'd love to be involved. And the stars aligned. Uh, the CEO said, hey, this is something that we need to start focusing on. And I was tapped to be a part of that work. So um, I think because I expressed that desire, it manifested. Um, And so I did everything I could to learn about it while I was there. And then again, once I kind of got to that point where I was like, okay, I I can do this on my own. I said, I I left. And so here's the thing. I was, I've been in, I was in corporate America for 20 years and I didn't necessarily want to keep working in a corporate setting. So even as a consultant working with organizations, you're kind of still in that corporate setting, right? Because you're still having these meetings. And now with COVID, we're on Zoom all day long. And I just didn't want to do that anymore. And so um, I've really pivoted to where I help online creators. So, you know, people like you and I, who are entrepreneurs, who are creators, right? Um, Solopreneurs, self-starters, they want to create an inclusive online presence but they just don't know how to do that. And so I think what my what my gift is being able to provide people a step-by-step, right? Like, hey, did you think about this? Did you think about that? All right, try this. And giving people kind of cutting out that stress of figure it out on your own and giving you the resources that you need so that you can build that online inclusive community. Yeah, and that is, it's so important to me and and why when I started talking about it a lot, because, you know, with Mary's cup of tea, we've tried to create like a scholarship fund and bring on more diverse guests on the podcast. And there are certain things that we've implemented, but obviously there's such a long way to go. And it was really overwhelming for me at first, because obviously there's all those selfish fears of like, am I going to be canceled? Am I going to fuck up? Am I going to embarrass myself? Like all those things. Um, But what really brought me so much peace is one, your approach of just asking questions. I sent you something that I made for Instagram and you said, you know, is there a way that you can make the gender language more inclusive? Because I usually talk a lot to women. So I subcon- or just automatically say women or her or she. Um, and expanding that. And Beth, I don't think I actually told you this. After I posted that post that you helped me make more gender inclusive. I had my first ever inquiry from a man asking if he could join the online retreat. Wow. And it was literally after that post, I, it didn't hit me. I t- it probably slipped my mind to tell you, but yeah, this wow. was recently with the launch of the beyond body online retreat. And he didn't end up signing up, but he's like, I'm, you know, queer. I identify a lot with uh, feminine energy. So I'm, I'm really drawn to you and your work, but Obviously, I don't want to be like the only dude or feel like it's just catered. And I had to be really honest with him that, of course, you're more than welcome to join. But to be really transparent, you know, some of the content's already recorded. And I've only worked with women in the past. So um, I don't know if it would be like the best environment for you. Um, And I was really honest with him about that. But still, just the fact that he reached out, that meant a lot to me. And it was thanks. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it, it does. You know, representation is so important. You know what I mean? Um, being able to see something that looks something or someone that looks like you it's, it's so important. Um, and I think we oftentimes don't even realize it, yeah. you know? Um, so that's exciting. I'm so happy to hear that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I think that, um, we talk about that a lot on, on here and I've been talking about it for a few years when it comes to like body size and shape and weight, but it just really hit me the past year that I can't be talking about self-love unless it includes everybody, literally everybody. Yeah. Well, and cause we all need it, right? Mm-hmm. We all, we all struggle with, with that self-love in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to like brands and businesses online, another thing that helped me was making the journey like long-term and not just about my business or how I show up online, but it's like, I live and breathe it. And recently it's become, again, everything's just like divine timing for me right now. (laughs) It's like pretty magical. Um, But my my little sister has found her friend group and she has a lot of friends who are trans or gender non-conforming or fluid or so many. And she's teaching me so much. She's like, well, this person identifies like this and this person identifies like this. And she's like so aware and so respectful and I'm so in awe. And so again, it's just, it feels, it doesn't feel like, oh, I have to fix all these ways that I've been fucking up and it has to all happen now. Like, yeah, it it does have to happen soon, but it feels long-term and doable and also just so personal. It's like, that's my little sister. Like she's my favorite person in the whole wide world. And the fact that the only trans person in her school felt comfortable sitting next to her at lunch, like that makes me cry. The fact that my sister is a safe space for other people. And it's inspiring because I want to be the safe space for other people online too. It's so important. Yeah. And, and, you know, that generation actually gives me hope you know, my daughter's around the same age as your sister. And it's the same thing. Like they do not tolerate hate. They do not tolerate prejudice or bias. Um, You know, there was a situation on TikTok where they all got together and they, and they created some action, right? Like these kids are amazing. So I think there's, there are a lot of lessons that we can learn from observing the children in our lives. Yeah, 100%. Um, And the only children that are, that my sister have told me that are like hateful is when it literally, I'm like, well, what do they say? And the the things that she passes on to me, it's like, there's no way that a child came up with that. Like they hear it from their parents, you know, they hear it from horrible people online or wherever they're spending time, but mostly their parents at that age. Yes. Uh, And so I want to be like a I honestly have been obsessed with like gender neutral parenting too. Um, yeah, you know, um, that's something, this is probably way off topic, but we'll come back. But um, one of the things that was recently brought to my attention was even like sex ed in school, it's very heteronormative. And so um, we're not teaching those um, children who don't subscribe to, you know, heteronormal um, practices on how to be safe 
or even how, how things function, right? Like um, we're doing a huge disservice. I don't know how long it's going to take for that to become something that's standard, uh, you know, in schools, but that's one area where it's like, come on, we need to be more progressive with this. Yeah, for sure. Especially because it's like, for some reason, I have 17% in my head. Does that sound right? That 17% of people don't fit into that stereotypical. Mm -hmm. It's a a substantial amount. Exactly. And it's like throughout the country and the world, like that's millions and millions and millions and millions of people. Right. Yeah. Um, How, like, what is your approach like? Yeah. um, Well, it's really about... I don't ever want anyone to feel like I'm accusing them or I'm pointing a finger or coming down on them, right? So it's really about creating a connection and creating a safe space, like you said, where people can feel comfortable asking those questions. They may not feel comfortable asking other people or making mistakes, right? Knowing that, hey, you're not going to get judged. Like we're in this together. Um, And so it's really about that, like, okay, let me ask you some questions. Like, what are the gaps, right? Let me see how we can address those gaps. And I'm very um, transparent about my own mistakes that I've made, right? Because I've made mistakes too, you know? Um, I have a friend who has recently started using they, them pronouns. And I still find myself on the phone like, hey, yeah, girl. And then I have to correct myself, right? Like, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm still getting used to this. Um, and so I tell people that story that, right? Like even the quote unquote expert still, you know, makes mistakes and still needs to learn. Yeah. Um, I mean, not, yeah, you make mistakes. I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> um, some, again, sometimes it's just, it's second nature. I'm definitely like a girl person. And speaking of that, I think we talked about this before recording, but I'm wondering if it would be valuable to do our little audit at the Yes. Um, yeah. Where, and I'm, please be honest. Yes. I am working towards it. Um, and especially when it comes to also racial inclusivity. Um, that has been really important for me lately, gender, race, what am I missing, size. And I always try to use my platform to uplift marginalized voices, but I know I can be doing a lot better job. But the first question that I had for you in regards to this, and I waited for the podcast because I thought it would be really valuable. At my retreats, both online and in person, I call the group our retreat sisters. and. So far, it's resonated with mostly everybody, but I did have one person at the last online retreat saying, hey, I wish it was a little bit more gender inclusive and that um, it wasn't, you know, I don't necessarily always identify as a girl or a woman, even though I was raised like that, but my experiences are totally different. And so I'm wondering like what verbiage you recommend when it comes to the community aspect. Because, yeah, I'm so used to writing, like, girl, this, mm-hmm. retreat sisters, or, you know, I my for my Beyond Body online retreat, I say my Beyond Body sisters. And I haven't found a word that feels better. Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, first, I just want to point out the fact that the fact that that person felt comfortable bringing this to you says a lot. That says that you did have an inviting, welcoming, 
community and presence where someone felt safe enough that they could bring that to you. So be happy for that, right? Because a lot of times we don't even feel safe enough to to tell people when we feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I would recommend something more gender neutral. I don't, I don't know if anything sounds as you know, similar, but um, like when I was talking about my friend who uses they, them, they suggested siblings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I even just thinking like, is it, hey, friends, right? Or do you make up a name specifically for your community that has something to do with, right? Um, I don't know what that could be, but, you know. Yeah, no, I'll think more. Tea, like tea, I don't know, something to do with tea. Yeah, tea. No, very good one. I don't know if you listen to Cara Lowenthal's podcast. She's the host of Unfuck Your Brain. And she was on this show a couple weeks ago. And she calls her podcast listeners my chickens. Okay. <laughs> but wait, now that's not because then there's roosters too. But it's a little. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a little better. Yeah, it's it's hard. But you know what I'm going to tell you too the one step we often forget when it comes to being inclusive, this is a secret. secret. And it's so easy. Are you ready? I'm ready. Ask people what they prefer. Right? Like, let your community know, hey, I'm trying to be more neutral. You know, what would, you know, what could we call ourselves that is more inclusive? And you probably would get so many suggestions that you and I could never come up with. Um, and so, yeah, I think we forget that a lot of times, right? Like just ask people what they want and they'll, they'll tell you. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that, that lands so much. Um, same thing, like ask pronouns, like just yes. ask about people's experiences. Um, I know, especially like as a white person, I never knew how to ask because again, it just feels like closed off, like you're in your Mm. own bubble. Um, And then you get nervous because you're like, what if I don't have the right words and the way phrasing, but even the act of asking, I'm I'm sure people appreciate it. Yeah. You know, my, my thing is always, if someone is genuine and they are asking me a question because they genuinely want to make sure that I feel included, I'm never going to be offended with that question, right? Because I know that their intention is good and it's pure. Um, but I think that's why connection is so important, right? Like you and I have a connection. So you could probably come ask me something really off the wall that you couldn't ask someone else because we have a friendship, right? We've, we've built that trust with each other. Um, also, another really good thing that uh, I learned is you listen to the way that people refer to themselves, right? Because I always get this question like, well, Beth, should I say Black or African-American? And so I, you know, I'm always like, well, one of the things you can do is kind of think about how people refer to themselves, like, li- like listen to their language. That will tell you. Um, and so I always say black, like I actually do not like the term African-American. So whenever I'm talking about anything, I'm saying black, that's a clue that when you're talking to me, right, you can use that same word. Um, so yeah, so that I would say is secret number two, like, you know, pay attention to how people refer to themselves. And then if, if you still don't get an answer, don't be afraid to ask. 
I love that. Yeah. Like just some social and emotional intelligence. Um, I have a friend mm-hmm. who is a woman identifies as a woman and, and she is an actor in Hollywood. And so I remember it really like, I just remember her saying I, I'm an actor. And since then I've always been calling her on all female actors, actors. Mm-hmm. One day my boyfriend's like, why do you always say, I've noticed you always say actor. Why do you do that? And I'm like, to be honest, I don't know, but my really close friend is a girl or a woman and she's an actor and she always says actor. So I'm assuming it has something to do with the, like how people perceive, like when you say actress as mm-hmm. an actor, like it's more professional. Um, and so I, I still don't know like the actual, you know, like lo- lo- just the thought process behind it, but knowing that she refers to herself like that, that way, that's enough. Yep. That's enough. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I love your example too. I wondered that too. So thank you for answering that question. Of course. (laughs) Okay, Beth, talk to me about my Instagram. Oh, okay. So you're, it's not bad. You're, (laughs) you're giving me a look like you're afraid. Okay. So um, I know we have a lot, we have a long way to go, especially when it comes to retreats. Yeah. Well, no. Okay. So kind of the background, right, is that I told you I would audit your Instagram so that, you know, could tell you like things you're doing right and maybe some things that you could work on. And honestly, your Instagram, it makes me feel included, right? Um, I think that you being so vulnerable and transparent, right, especially with your body, Um, it helps other people, right? So when I think about from a size perspective, it's like, oh, she has a belly. Like, yeah, maybe I can like put my belly out there too, right? So that definitely helps. I know that you've talked to your audience before about, hey, this is the anti-racism plan, right? This is what I'm going to do. That is so important. I always say it's like, It's one thing for you to have a plan, but it's another thing to be accountable to that plan, right? And so that's wonderful that you've put it out there. Now, what I would recommend is that you continue to give your community updates on that plan, right? Mm -hmm. And so like checking in if it's once a quarter, right, or or every few weeks and saying, hey, you know, last time we talked about this, these are the changes we've made, or these are how many scholarships we awarded, right? Um, You know, we went from 25% people of color on the podcast, now we're at 50%. So just make sure you're checking in with your audience so that they know that you really are continuing on this path and what what your plans are. Let's talk about accessibility a little bit, because I think we sometimes forget about that part, right? The people who um, have vision or um, auditory disabilities, right? So some really quick things you can do is you want to make sure that with all of your pictures, you add alternative text. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sure if Instagram allows you to do that. Like it, like if you were on a website, you can add alternative text. So on Instagram, you may want to just add an, an additional caption that describes what the picture looks like. So if you have someone who cannot see, they're reading your caption, but they're still understanding what the picture is that you've posted, right? So that's how they know. 
Um, and then the final thing I would say is um, captions on videos is really important, right? I found this very cool tool, which I'm going to start using. It's called Clipomatic, mm-hmm. and it's free. And so when you record videos on your phone now, it will automatically um, put captions of your text. So it takes away from the time of you having to do that, right? Um, But we all should be really having captions on our videos so that people who can't hear can still understand um, what what we're saying and what our message is. I don't know if this fits into accessibility, but if somebody's like at work and they can't listen with the sound on, like at least they could still be a part of the message without, you know, need, needing to inconvenience themselves. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's also like, it's also smart though, because, you know, researchers have told us that like people, you know, people's attention span are so short. And so you have to, and so a lot of times or even people don't even want to play. They just want to look, right? They don't even want to hear it. And so it's just, you get more eyes on it that way too. Yeah. But I, I feel very included when I look at your Instagram, when I look at your stories and your posts. Um, and so I don't think it's much that you need to do to just step it up to the next level. Thank you. I, I'm really grateful to hear that. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing for me is to update on the anti-racism action plan because I, I created that in, I believe in June, July, probably July. Um, And yeah, we've been working on the podcast. We have a retreat scholarship. We do um, scholarships for our online programs or we do different uh, ways to do it, more accessible payment plans, like things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And trying to make it just flexible, like be flexible. I think that has been like a big motto of mine. Um, And I I really do want to do an update because... It also like makes a difference, I think. Um, even like the my fellow influencers, colleagues mm-hmm. follow me, like that just them seeing that, right? They're like, I gotta get on this too, you know. Um, so yeah, that means so much to me. Absolutely. Thank you, Beth. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Is there anything that say somebody doesn't have like an online presence or they're not really building one, but do you have any tips for how to be um, actively anti-racist and actively inclusive in our daily day-to-day lives um, in a way that feels actionable and practical? I think a lot of the stuff I've read online, it's like, talk to your friends about racism um, and I love, that's why I love your, your cards, but I, I still do find it hard to be like, okay, let's talk about racism now. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why I'm, I'm so grateful for my online platform because my friends follow me online, obviously. So they know what I'm about. So I can be totally right. transparent. <laughs> yeah. um, let's say for somebody who doesn't have that advantage, what would you recommend? How do you open up those conversations? So, um, the first thing I always say is you have to become comfortable with the uncomfortable. These are not easy conversations. Um, These are not, oh, let's open a bottle of wine and have a fun time talking about racism. Like that's not, that's not the purpose. And so you have to be willing to be uncomfortable, but still push through with the conversations, right? Um, I'm a big believer that the one of the largest pieces of of being anti-racist is by the connections that you have 
So if you aren't even exposed or in fellowship with people who look differently from you, how can you fight the system, right? And so I ask people, like, think about who you're spending time with, who are you spending your money with? What businesses are you investing in when you're doing nonprofit work, right? Like where are you, who are you doing that work with? Um, You know, I even say, hey, once a month, like go to a grocery store in another neighborhood, right? Or if you go to church or, you know, however you worship, go visit another, you know, because it helps you get that knowledge, right? Um, The second thing, again, kind of on that knowledge thing is there's so much information online, right? Like, I have people ask me all the time, Beth, why do you put she, her, her in your, um, in your email signature? And so I've just started linking so that people like have a question, they can click on it and then they can go read why, right? But if you have questions, Google and YouTube are your friend, right? You can find just about any answer to any question. And then I think the third thing is, um, and this is particularly for my white siblings, that you need to use your privilege. How can you use your privilege to dismantle the system of racism? So if you see or experience it, right, what are you doing? I watched this video of a young Black man who was stopped by the police, and there was an older white woman on the other side of the road, and she stopped her car, and she yelled to him. She said, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I just want to make sure you're okay, and I'm not leaving until you leave. And the transaction went well. There was no drama or anything, but she stayed there for the 20 minutes or whatever it took for you know the police officer to run the place, and then, and then once the black man pulled off is when she pulled off, right? So she she risked, right? She took a risk, but she used her privilege to make sure that he was safe. So how can you use that privilege, right? By calling it out, by being a safe place, right? By speaking up against it. Uh, let me tell you, if you are, you know, at work in the workplace or if you're at an event, If I say something and say, you know what, I didn't feel a certain way, that comes off much differently than Mary. If you say, you know what, I noticed the way that Beth was being treated, right? There's privilege in you saying that. And that message comes across much differently coming from you. So, um, yeah, I think those are some beginner tips. Mm -hmm. Use your privilege. Make sure people are safe. Yeah, that's that's been big for me. What do you say, and in particular, I'm asking on behalf of a lot of my listeners that have reached out to me as well, when it's family or people that are really close to you, and they're like, you're so politically correct now. Everything has to be PC for you. It makes me, it makes my blood boil, people who, who talk like that. What, what do you say to shut them down? I get... And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one. Um, I was listening to this NPR story one time and they were saying that oftentimes when we try to argue with people, we argue using our point of view and our values. Well, that's not really helpful because if somebody doesn't share our values, then we're not going to convince them. And so they were talking about 
use the other person's values, right, to have that conversation. So give, give you a great example. I've had a lot of people come to me and talk to me about LGBTQ, right? Um, how can you be a Christian and support LGBTQ community? Which that, we could talk about that for an hour in itself, right? Um, and so <laughs> as outrageous as a question it is, I have to think about their perspective. And so I say to them, I am loving them the way that I've been taught to love my neighbor, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, I I come from that, what, what they can identify with and what they can understand. That's not always gonna work. Like everyone's not gonna always agree. And so then you have to make a choice of, how much do you want to be around this part, you know, these people that maybe don't see eye to eye with you? Yeah, for sure. It's this weird balance between like, they're the closest to me. So it's my responsibility to use my privilege and, you know, open their eyes because who else is going to? Um, And then at the same time, like, you know, bad juju. (laughs) Yeah. Like you got to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, right? Like don't, continually put yourself in that situation if it's doing you harm to your emotions, right? Your feelings, your relationships. Yeah. But a lot of times I also come back to, I don't remember who said this, probably a black educator I was taking an anti-racism course from. Um, she said like your, your feelings, like they, they can wait. Like these are our lives, like fuck your feelings. basically. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 personally kind of thrive off of tough love like that um it helps me because it just snaps me back into what's important um I know that may not land for everybody but for me it really is like fuck your feelings like you'll be fine you know you have therapy next week you'll be fine Um, you know you can sacrifice like an hour of discomfort for people who have been living in discomfort um, their whole lives. Yeah. And I'll tell you another, um, value that I live by. It's by an author named Steve Robbins. And he says, be less certain and be more curious. Mm. And that's become one of my values is I'm going to be curious. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to get to the heart of, of what someone is saying, um, instead of just jumping off from the start and assuming what they mean. Yeah, for sure. Going back to that asking, just ask questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. It helps people, you know, come to their own conclusions and see their own blind spots a lot better than, and they don't feel attacked or. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Beth, where can people find you, work with you, and get all the resources and value that you have to offer? Yeah, I would say the best place is on Instagram. So my Instagram is at the Beth Ruffin. And if you go to my link in bio, there are some free resources there. You have access to my website and some videos um, in that bio. Perfect. The link in bio. And does that have your freebie? Because I recently downloaded the 10 tips, which I think is such a great starting place, whether you have a business or not. Um, The 10 tips to be more inclusive. Is that in your bio? Yes, absolutely. That's a great place to start. Perfect. And remember that this is a journey. 
you mentioned that earlier, but this is not something where like you, you do something for, you know, three months and you're like, all right, I'm great. I'm, you know, it's like, this is an ongoing journey. And yeah, the, I really want to speak to that, um, that yeah, it is a journey and the doors that it opens up are priceless, like priceless for you, for other people, um, for like Beth, you and I probably wouldn't be sitting here today unless I was like aware of this and present and comfortable just asking you about this and coming. I mean, I came up to you in the lobby and I said, this is what I'm dealing with. And yeah, that just like, it's funny. We're at Hot Topic. My sister and I, I told you, my sister's going to go Yeah. We're at Hot Topic buying chains and stuff. And at Hot Topic, they usually have a lot of people that probably don't look like you working there. Um, and it's just amazing how comfortable it seems like people are around my sister. And I hope me, but probably most. <laughs> but it's it's just amazing, like the kind of beautiful people that you get to know when you're just educated and, and open and sensitive and aware, like it's, it's changed my life. Yeah. It's that curiosity, right? Like when uh, George Floyd was killed, I had put out um, a message on social media and I said, Hey, I know that a lot of people are just wondering like what to do, what's going on. I said, I, I want to have conversations about race with, with white people on my timeline. Um, and so I had a lot of people that I knew, but I had some people that I didn't know. And one person, one woman in particular, like she, her political leanings are the exact opposite of mine. And at first I was like, do I want to talk? But we ended up talking and it was a beautiful conversation. Like we're, you know, social media friends now, right? Like I would be okay. Like, I think we'd be okay going and getting lunch together. Right. And we didn't change each other's minds on political views, but we kind of understand each other a little bit better now. And so just being open, like you said, and curious and be willing to listen and share. It's so important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's a lot easier than it seems, um, especially like you said with the internet, with social media. I mean, my TikTok is like—I think I have the most diverse TikTok. I'm scrolling. I'm on. I'm on lesbian TikTok. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on Jewish TikTok. I'm on Arab TikTok. I'm on LGBTQ plus TikTok. Like I have yeah. all like, and, and I love that. That's what my feed looks like. I truly, and my Instagram, like I, I, I just feels so much better and so much more aligned with my values and who I want to be as a person and like what I want people to think of me when I die. Right. That's so, like I said, I want people to realize the impact that they have. Um, and I think we've talked about it before. It's not about being performative. It's about having an impact. So who knows that man who reached out to you before, maybe this time he didn't sign up, but maybe next time he'll sign up and you can, you have an opportunity to impact his life because you've been open and inclusive with your community. Thank you, Beth. I really appreciate you. Um, I love you so much. I love the work that you're doing. I'm going to be taking your courses because Mary's cup of tea has some work to do, but I'm excited about it. Um, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving so much value to me and our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. And I love you back. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out Beth's Instagram at the Beth Ruffin and her link in the bio. Download those 10 tips.
Um, they're really great. And yeah, follow her. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, Beth. Bye.